Church, you ready? I'm ready. You can tell by my voice that first service was good. Because I'm already used half of it up. Now, I got, I, I have, we have another service after this. But the truth is we have four services. And in just a minute, I'll, I'll remind you of that fourth service. Um, but I, I want to share with you that today's message starts a sermon series entitled An Attitude of Gratitude. How many of you know that an attitude of gratitude is probably one of the most, the, one of the most important things we can do to set ourselves up for real success? I'm not talking about a worldly success. I'm talking about true success, true success that's marked with peace and joy. Things that money cannot buy and they're not gifts of this world. They're outside of this world. I love C.S. Lewis's book called Surprised by Joy. It just reminds me that joy just, it comes and you know there has to be a God because that's not something that's found here. It's something that comes from another place and that's from his throne. Joy. And an attitude of gratitude is what brings about joy and peace. The truth is gratitude is one of the most helpful human emotions we can engage in. When we purpose ourselves to be grateful, we actually bless our lives. We bless ourselves. And and an attitude of gratitude doesn't only bless you in the physical, it blesses you in the emotional. Do you know that when you're grateful, you not only find yourself at peace and, and you find yourself in, in that perfect calmness, that, that state of being where everything is where it's supposed to be and there's satisfaction. How many of you have ever felt that? And it's hard to stay in that place, but when you practice gratitude, you find yourself in that place. And it helps you physically because physically our bodies reap the benefits of not being not being stressed by wanting and worrying and striving and anxiousness and all the things that come with the opposite of gratitude and that's ingratitude. And so you think, well, well, physically I could use that, right? But do you know that it also blesses you emotionally? Because your emotional state will lead to your physical breakdown. If your emotional state is breaking down, it'll eventually show up in your physical But it also will bring about this peace and this joy at a higher level than even the physical or emotional. I think the highest level is the spiritual. And the spiritual level of being is where God addresses the most. And it's not to say that you can't start in the physical and work your way up. But but the truth is we're spirit, mind, and body. We're all three. We're three in one. Isn't that interesting that we're three in one, even as he is three in one? After all, God said, I will make you in my image. In fact, the verse says, let us make man in our image. Who's God? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought God was one. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working in perfect unity, one in essence, three in persons, one in essence. It's called the Holy Trinity. And when he says, let us, this is the reason the Bible can say God is love. No other God can claim that. Because to be loved, you have to have a lover and a lovee. 
There has to be relationship. That perfect relationship of love is found in the Holy Trinity. And he loved us and he made us in that image that we reflect his likeness, spirit, mind, and body. And when we practice gratitude, there's a huge blessing. In fact, the verse that we're going to base our entire sermon series on is found in Psalms 100. Read with me. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole scripture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Do you realize this is not a suggestion? This is not a suggestion. In fact, it's a command. He says, when you come into my presence, this is the way I want want you to come. This is your posture. This is what should be on your heart. This is what should be on your mind. Do you realize it's for our blessing? Do you realize that when we connect with God, we are filled and we get things that this world could never give us. And so God is saying, you need me. And when you connect with me, it has to be this way. Do you realize there's another verse that says God even hates a proud look. He doesn't even get to pride. I mean, pride, he detested it. He won't have anything to do with it. He says, I even hate the look of pride. So you come into God's presence like this, whatever your swag is or your walk, leave that at the door. In here, you walk in going, Lord, I love you. I can't wait to praise you. I can't wait to be thankful. Oh, I'm a man. You're... You're, you're a created being by the magnificent king of glory. When we get that in our, in deep in our hearts and in our souls, then we can understand what he's saying. He's saying, this is how I want you to enter. And it reminds me of a story that always fascinated me as a kid. It's a story of 10 lepers and it's found in Luke 17. Anyone remember the story of the 10 lepers? So I want to share something with you about leprosy. Leprosy was a hideous disease. It still is. But especially in the ancient world, it changed your life drastically if you were, um, if you were found and diagnosed to have leprosy. In fact, the Bible gives quite a few verses in the Old Testament law to how you should deal with leprosy because it could spread throughout the entire camp and really bring a society down. And so the Bible said when the priest would determine that this, that this specific disease was found, they were to, they were to proclaim this person to be unclean and remove them from society. So if you had leprosy, you would be removed from society. You would be removed from your friends, from your family, from your loved ones, from your, those that cared about you. You would be placed outside of the city wall and its protection and you would find other lepers to coexist with. And when they threw away the trash and the scraps over the wall, that's what you would survive on. And anything else you could gather, that's how you survived. And you would be completely subject to the kindness of your friends and relatives and those who would remember you. 
And then you would have to wear ragtag clothing in order to show everyone that you are an outcast. And whenever anyone who was normal would walk by or, ever, or, or come upon you or you come upon them, you would have to stay far off and you'd have to announce to them, unclean, unclean, and let them know that you are a leper. And so this is the way the story starts. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the fact that so many times we take our families for granted. You might be sitting here today taking your family for granted. But I can assure you that these lepers no longer took their families for granted. To take someone for granted is to be ungrateful. They were no longer ungrateful for any love or any touch or anything that they received from their families. And here they find Jesus. Now, why? how did they happen to find Jesus? I want you to think about this. By this time, Jesus is in full, his ministry is in full bloom. And most people have heard about him and have heard of the wondrous miracles that he has performed. And so if you were a leper, what kind of desperation would move you and motivate you to make sure if Jesus ever came by your area or if you could put yourself in some kind of proximity to him, how many of you would do it? Absolutely. And so this is where we find it. He goes, now it happened. As he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men, ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they cried out, unclean, unclean. But that's not all they cried. And they lifted up their voices. What does it mean to lift up your voice? It means to shout. And they began to shout. All of them together, they said, Jesus, Master, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. I don't know what they shouted, but we know they said Master at least. That means teacher. Have mercy on us. Now I want you to, I want to ask you, how many of you would shout if you were lepers and you were in this condition, completely estranged, completely isolated, Destined to die a a lonely death. How many of you would shout with all your might? Okay, some of us would. Wow. Others like, nah, I'd be cool. We need to pray for you. You need to come on Wednesday. Let me ask that again. How many of you would shout with all your might? Okay. Now, let me ask you this question. Would your shout with all your might for a miracle, would it compare to your worship this morning? Let me ask that again. Would it compare to your worship this morning? Would it compare to your worship this morning? I'm trying to help you if you let me. Amen? I'm trying to help you if you let me. See, sometimes we read the Bible, but we don't let the Bible read us. The truth is, it's a living word of God. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to separate between motives. 
It's able to fillet and get in there and, and do that spiritual surgery that we all, me included, so desperately need. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest because that was what was required by the law. Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, isn't it, true, isn't it funny that as you embark on your faith journey, it happens. So many times we say, Lord, I want to see it, then I'll believe it. God says you need to believe it, then you'll see it. Amen. Can I get an amen? So many times we say, no, no, heal me first. Then I'll go show myself. Then I'll do it. God said, go. And as you go, go ye therefore and make. That's another message. Let's keep going. And so it was as they went that they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned. And with a loud voice, he glorified God. Can someone say with a loud voice? Come on, with a loud voice. What is a loud voice? A shout. With a shout. Amen. 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 You know, it's interesting that we're okay with Ric Flair shouting, Whoa! But we can't do that in God's house for His glory. We shout for the Dallas Cowboys, but we can't shout for his glory. We shout for Baylor winning against Oklahoma. Come on, any Texan would do that. But we can't shout for his glory. No, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to wake something up inside of us. Notice what happened. Nine never thought to say thankful, but one, only one. Why? Why is this the case? We'll return to this story because ingratitude is a huge problem. It's a real problem. And do you realize, I believe that's why there's so much anger in our nation. People killing themselves over road rage. And when everything, the dust settles and they say, what happened? Well, he cut me off. I didn't like the way she looked at me. People losing their minds at the grocery store, at Little League games, acting foolish. Does anyone else see it? Can I tell you, it's because we're so wrought up with ingratitude. No one can just say thank you. I'm just glad to be alive. You know what? My kid's probably not going to be a professional athlete. I'm just glad to see him play. You know what? I'll get there when I get there. It's not her fault I'm late. Amen? You see, we have a huge problem with ingratitude in this world. And this is what James addresses when he says this. He says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? He's speaking to a society. He's speaking to America. What is causing the fights and the quarrels among you? Someone said the media. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it. But they're just stoking what's naturally human. 
And God's saying, I want you to be other than. I've come to set you free from your natural state. I've come to do something different in you. Now stay with me on this. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And when you ask God, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong and you only want to please yourself. Now, can I paraphrase this for us? Can I just put it in everyday terms like for us? You know, what causes the problems and the quarrels and the fighting in our society? Don't they come from the evil desire to want more and more and more of the toys and the things this world has to offer? We want what we don't have, so we scheme for a way to get another credit card to buy it. With money we don't have and we can't afford mortgaging our future to get something we don't need. Look, look at this. To impress someone we don't know or don't care about. Isn't that the truth? And you say, but, but we didn't kill no one. No, no, you're killing your relationship. We're, I'm killing my relationship when I mortgage my future and I put that stress on myself. Now I'm arguing with the one I love and killing the relationship. Financial issues cause more problems in marriages today than anything else. You say, but I thought it was the infidelity. The infidelity happened after the separation emotionally happened because of the financial problems that we kept arguing about. Do you see what's taking place? And this is what James is saying. And when you ask, you don't get because you keep asking God to finance a lifestyle he never intended you to have. Because that lifestyle is pulling you further away from him and deeper into the clutches of the enemy. You go, no, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute. No, if you keep reading, he says, you want to draw near to God? You've got to resist that evil temptation. You've got to turn, well, over here. You've got to resist that evil temptation. You've got to turn to the cross, turn to God, and God will draw near to you when you draw near to him and the enemy will flee. If you keep reading, that's what he says. The enemy will flee. Why? Because the enemy will know, oh, oh, God just showed up. And God shows up when we start worshiping him. And we worship him. In gratitude. Real, real gratitude. Think about it. He says, you ask and you don't get because you're asking wrong. Because we're asking God, oh Lord, I need to pay for this house. I need to pay for these cars. I need to pay for all these credit cards. I need to pay for that. And God's saying, I didn't sign that. Isn't that true? Or how about this? God, I'm supposed to rub you like a genie and you give me what I want. God's a genie in a bottle. Come and rub him the right way. What are you doing? <laughs> that, might, that might work for some 
crazy song of Christina Aguilera, but it has nothing to do with God's word. He's the awesome king of glory and we serve at his good pleasure. We serve at his good pleasure. Okay, watch this. He's saying to a society, James is, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Let me say it a different way. If you want to be friendly with, with the world, you will be an enemy of God. He's saying there is a God. It's called materialism. In the ancient world, they called it the God of mammon. And that's why Jesus said himself in the Sermon on the Mount, you cannot serve me and the God of mammon. We're opposite. The God of mammon is a God that Satan put up to get your attention away from the true God. And this is what, what James is saying. He's saying, don't you know, you got to be very careful with this stuff. And the way we keep from falling into that is we understand that in every circumstance, in every situation, every part of our life, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful. For this is God's will for those who belong to Jesus Christ. So, so I'm going to challenge you this entire month to change our lifestyle. Let it be a lifestyle of thanksgiving. So you go, pastor, you want us to have thanksgiving in June? Yes. I want you to have thanksgiving every day of the week. You go, I'm going to weigh 400 pounds. See, some of us equate Thanksgiving with eating. Thanksgiving is a state of the heart. Thanksgiving is waking up every morning and saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, thank you for everything. You know, God just showed me this in a very real way. I was um, on uh, vacation with my family looking forward to this day the entire year because there's this one particular day where I get to go and eat and just experience all the goodness of this one particular place. I'm not going to tell you too much because you might um, you might get jealous. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I, I was there, and then the day, couple days before, I got a serious gallbladder attack, and I'd never had one of those attacks. But it is no fun. You feel like dying. And so I get to the emergency room and they said, well, you're going to have to change drastically or you're going to do emergency surgery. And so I'm in the hotel room while my family's experiencing this one day, this awesome day, and I'm puking and, and, and even worse. And I'm just there in the hotel whining to God. Anyone ever know what I, can they relate when you're whining to God and you're like, woe is me, I serve you so well and this is how what the thanks I get. And God says, you've been asking that I change your heart and that I show you some things and that I really bring these messages to life so that you can bring them to life for your people, for the people, right? For, so then I'm going to talk to you about thanksgiving in every circumstance including this one. And you're a spoiled brat, Chris. Get on your knees, reflect on me, and consider how much I have loved you. And I'm giving, I'm taking this one day in order to get your attention so that I can change some things. Uh-oh. 
And I'm like, do you love me? He goes, I chasten those I love. And today I needed to speak to you a little louder because I haven't been able to get your attention back home. So I brought you. Can anyone hear what I'm saying? Has God ever done that? Do you realize I learned more in those three days than I've done in maybe three years? Because God will get your attention and he'll use every circumstance. Or is it not true that Romans says he works all things for the good of those who love him? But the truth is ingratitude is a huge problem and it's a slippery slope. And once it starts, it's like a cancer. Point number two, it's not only a huge problem, it's a cancer, a spiritual cancer. And I really worried about this word cancer. But I looked up the meaning and it's what, what really conveys the best, the point I'm trying to make. See, the meaning of cancer at its basic level is cells gone bad, multiplying too rapidly and taking over the good. Do you realize that that's what happens when we begin to be in ungrateful? It's something gone bad. That's not what we were created to be. And it starts to take over the good in our lives. Until it destroys everything. Watch what Romans says. Romans 1. Because although they knew God. So he's speaking to the Roman society. who, To the Roman church. Especially too. But to a society that knew God. I think this applies to America perfectly. We know God. But can I tell you. It's possible to know of God. To know about God but not know God in our hearts. We know this because Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, depart from me to a certain group of people, they say, but we did this, this, and this, and this in your name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Gnosis, which means to know intimately. Watch What characterizes not knowing God intimately? Watch this. Although they knew God, they did not glorify God, nor were they thankful. So they were ungrateful. And watch what takes place after that. And because they were ungrateful, they became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts got darkened. Therefore, everything that they were able to perceive about God became clouded. That's what ungratefulness does. Ingratitude creates a cloud and we can't connect with God. Watch this. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changing the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made to look like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things is what they worshiped. Evolution. That just speaks to me. Some of the wisest claiming to be the wisest on earth. Espoused to the stupidest theory of evolution. No, you were created by God. You were created by God. You're not an accident. Watch this. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie 
and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. Listen to what Timmy says, to what Paul tells Timmy. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times are coming. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. That sounds like any video today. Isn't that true? Most of the videos talking about all that they have, showing all that they want to get. Think about this. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. Without self-control, brutals, despisers of good. It just goes from there. What I'm trying to get you to understand, it's cancer. It leads to a darkening of our heart and our understanding, a hardening of our heart. And then before long, we don't, we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Thanksgiving is what makes us sensitive. Stay with me on this. Stay with me on this. Because... This is one of the reasons I'm always asking, if you have an opportunity to go on a mission trip, do it. Do it. A mission trip will change your heart and change your life. I've been all over on uh, different countries, and every mission trip speaks to me like never before. I can tell you being in refugee camps, being in, in, in prisons, life prisons in the third world, and they just will change your heart. I can tell you that it changed my son's heart. When he was young, he was a a little boy and he would stay with his Aunt Jeanette on Saturday night. So she would bring him to church for us. And Aunt Jeanette would buy him. I'm just going to throw Aunt Jeanette into the bus. Sorry, Aunt Jeanette. (laughs) But she would buy him a toy every Saturday night. And he got addicted to those toys. Come on. How many of you know that as you get bigger, the toys get more expensive? And so I said, we can't do this. We got to stop this. So I said, no more toys for you. So then Anjanette would sneak him in a toy like it was, like it was a concentration camp or something. And, and she would sneak him in toys and then I would find him and she would say, just tell him you've had it for a long time. Now she's teaching him to lie. Anjanette, we need to pray for you. You need to come on Wednesday. And so... So then one day I'm really getting on him and he just starts crying in the car seat and he says, Daddy, I can't take it anymore. I can't help it. I can't take it. I can't help it. I go, what's wrong? I pull over. I'm like, me, what's happening? He goes, I can't stop thinking about toys. And I pass Walmart and I just want a toy. <laughs> I start panicking. I said, this is a serious issue. I started praying and praying and God said, take him on a mission trip. We went, a, we went to the mission trip. In Redemption Village, it's a Haitian refugee place. I can remember being here, there, in his eyes, he was scared to death. The living conditions. And what these little kids had to play with, trash. And we had packed a suitcase, a little suitcase full of his toys. And he pulled one out and he gave it, started a riot. They start fighting for the toy. And then we said, no, we got enough for everybody. How many of you know God has enough for everybody? Has enough for everybody. Changed his heart. Till this day, I'm like, can I buy you something? I don't need anything. If he buys anything, he works for it himself and he buys it. Someone made fun of a belt he wore. And I said, what does it matter? He worked his tail off. It's the only one he wears when he wears one. <laughs> right? 
He doesn't care about material things anymore like that. Why? Because sometimes we need to get in the middle of God's presence and experience how good he's actually been to us. So I'm going to finish with this. I'm going there quickly. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again, rejoice. And then he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. He's saying this, when God is near, there is a gentleness that comes over your life. Now that gentleness is not the same one we think of. That gentleness is a peace and a joy working together where you're at perfect satisfaction and you don't have to hurry or anything. It's what you feel when you see Jesus in the scripture. It's like he's never in a hurry. You know that? You don't ever see Jesus freaking out, do you? He's just perfectly gentle. It's just where he's supposed to be at the time he's supposed to be there. And that's what Paul is saying. This is possible for you when you rejoice. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, bring your prayers and what you need to God. But watch this. Always with thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving will release peace that is outside of this world. That's what he's saying. Which surpasses understanding. Why? Because it's not from this world. It's a peace that God gives when we're thankful. And that peace will guard your heart and mind. Isn't that beautiful? This is why I want you to understand that ingratitude is a killer. It says it kills. Remember James said that? What does it kill? It kills your relationships. We already talked about how it kills a husband and wife's relationship. How so? Because then it'll have you striving for things you don't need, working jobs you probably shouldn't be working at all hours, not connecting, creating more stress, neglecting your children. They're latchkey kids. They're being raised by the television. Uh Uh-oh. How about this? That same attitude will affect the way you compete. Oh. The way you compare the way you compete with friends. It's hard to have really close friends when you don't have that peace, that gentleness, and just be able to celebrate friendships because what we end up doing is that human nature thing is saying, am I ahead or am I behind? If I'm behind, I need to get ahead. It reminds me, we were leaving the the amusement park and there was this little boy and you could tell he had a little strut in his walk and he's pushing his grandma on a wheelchair. And every time I'd kind of try to get ahead of him, he would go faster. Jason, kid you not, he'd go faster. And he was, he was a row over. There was some cars in between and I'm going. And I said, man, I got you, bro. I said, I said, I got you, bro. And you know what he said? No, I said, I, said, I got you. I'm gonna, you're trying to stay ahead of me, aren't you? And he goes, you know it. He looked at me like that. He goes, you know it. And he grabbed his grandma and he started, go, he started running. And then I said, oh, oh, okay, okay. I started running. And I felt pretty good that day. I've been fasting. I'm light. I've lost about four or five pounds. So I start taking off. And then he sees me. I say, I got you, baby. I got you. Yeah. I started yelling like that. And then he looks at me. He goes, oh, no, you don't. 
He took off running faster. Grandma screaming. And the whole chair is shaking. And this little boy is running his heart out. He's like, no, you don't got me, man. And I'm running and my wife's going, stop it. Come on, there has to be a voice of reason that says, stop it. You're going to tump grandma. Can I tell you that? You're about to tump grandma. Say, what's grandma? Grandma's your life, your relationships, your friendships, your closeness. There's going to be road rash. It's going to be bad. Why? Because you can't have close friendships if you're always comparing. You don't feel at peace, gentle, to be able to celebrate with somebody. If they tell you something good that's going on, you secretly go, oh, now I got to one-up them. Or I got to, Lord, why you always got to, it's not about that. Does anyone hear what I'm saying? So I want us to cultivate gratitude. This is where we finish. Cultivate gratitude. How? Every day. There's an old song that went like this when we were in the Baptist church. Said, count your blessings. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what... I can tell who was raised right. <laughs> no, those, that, that's true. You got to count them. You got to list them. You got to be mindful. You've got to engage because the enemy is trying to have you forget them. What is the number one thing God kept telling the Israelites? He kept saying in the Old Testament, remember what I did for you. What is the one thing they kept doing? Forgetting what he did. There is a word. There are several words used in the Old Testament for blessing or thanksgiving. There's actually 11, but seven are used most often. Seven. These are them. I put a list up. Tuda or toda. Literally means a Thanksgiving choir. All of us together with one voice. Barak, to kneel in Thanksgiving. To kneel in Thanksgiving. I'm almost done. Tequila. Not tequila. Some of y'all are thinking, yeah, I have a few margaritas. I have no problem being grateful. Um, not exactly what the Bible's saying here. Hala, to give thanks by being clamorously foolish. Oh, that's not me. I couldn't be that undignified. Yeah, that's what they told David. When David said, you ain't seen nothing yet. When I consider how good God has been to me, I can get foolish for him. How about yada, to give thanks with extended hands. What are extended hands? Come on, raise your hands high. Now I'm challenging my Baptist here. You won't go to hell. Okay? This is biblical. Amen? Zamar. Yes, zamar. Means to give thanks with musical instruments. Some of you can play musical instruments. Use it to give thanks. Watch this. Shabak. To give thanks with a loud shout. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Amen. 
shout. Shout to the Lord, all the earth sing. Majesty praise to, it's getting a little high. Mountains bow down to this awesome king of glory. Amen. Well, did you know, did you know that that foreigner was the only one that came to give God thanks and he did it this way? He fell on his knees. He shouted with hands raised. He began to give God thanks. You say, but how did he know that? He didn't read the Old Testament necessarily. Because when the Holy Spirit moves, you don't need to be taught. God's going to do it. It's a natural response to what God is doing. Cultivate a relationship with God and his Holy Spirit through thanksgiving. Do you realize? Do you realize? Watch this. That in Psalms 100, four of the seven are found. Watch this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Toda. I want a choir singing to me. Why? Because all of you should sing the same way with a grateful heart. And into his courts with praise. Tahila. Sing praises. Be thankful. Yada. Extend your hands. Guys, he doesn't say shove them in your pockets, put them under your arms. No, extend your hands. Watch this. To him and bless his name. Barak, bow before him. Bow before him. This is exactly what that foreigner did who was cleansed of leprosy. Now watch what Jesus tells him. Watch what Jesus tells him. Verse 17, Jesus answered, were there not more that were cleansed? Where are the other nine? None were found except this foreigner, verse 19. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Do you realize that that same, same faith has made you well or has saved you is the same Greek word that is found in Romans 10, 13 that says, call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Why? Because God can do something for you in the physical, but if you want him to touch you in the spiritual, you've got to be grateful. Grateful. Gratitude is the mark of salvation. See, some have received spiritual blessing, but God is saying, be grateful. Be grateful. Be grateful. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What blessings can we be grateful for? You know, this season we're doing a campaign called A Grateful Heart. And we're asking everyone to get with the Holy Spirit and with God as a family and to say, what can we give this year? How can we sow an eternal blessing in the kingdom? You know, toys will end up in the yard or in the trash. Things we buy for ourselves will end up in a garage sale in a couple years. I'm asking you to help us grow our fourth service. It's our fastest growing service. It's an online service. And online, we are growing faster than any other service. 
We have people watching from all over the United States and even different parts of the world. And right now we just have one camera. It's an old camera. It's a static shot, pretty grainy, kind of dark. So we're going to upgrade the lights. We're going to upgrade the cameras. And everything we buy is a missionary ministry reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And I know we have a grateful church. And I just want you to pray and say, Lord, what can I give? One family was so excited, they came up and said, how much is a camera? We told them, these cameras are not, a, not cheap. They said, we're praying that our family would be able to buy one camera. Because we want to store up treasure in heaven. And I want my family to be associated with people receiving the good news. And I just, I was moved to tears. I went home and said, Melissa, we're going to pray for our family to do a camera. I don't know what, but but we're going to, we're going to pray for that. I'm going to ask you to do the same. You might say, pastor, I can only do $5. Do it for the honor and glory of God. There's no pressure here. Holy Spirit knows. Amen. As we finish, what is the Holy Spirit sharing with you today? Where's your heart? Are you one of the nine? I don't know about you, Lord. I want to be, I want to be that one that comes back. Today I start by saying thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. I love you, church. I love you. Have a great week.